630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Good game going on in St. Louis. 2-2. Blackhawks and Blues. Seven minutes left in the second period. It was 2-0 for the Blues. The other game tonight has Anaheim trying to close out Nashville in game six, but the Predators lead 2-1 early in the third period. Blue Jays trailing the White Sox 6-5 after eight. The Jays at one point led that game 5-1. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, A couple texts here. Brian says... Can you tell us who's winning in the OHL between London and Erie? I can. It is a 2-0 series lead for London, and they play again tomorrow. The other conference final uh, has uh, Niagara, who uh, won tonight 6-3 over Barry, up three games to nothing. So there's a quick update from uh, elsewhere in junior hockey. Brad says, uh, hey, Reed, I was just thinking about the playoffs and uh, was wondering, say the San Jose Sharks win the Cup, does it bring up any questions about Todd McClellan as a coach? I'm not trying to question his ability as a coach. I like him behind the bench of the Oilers. Just curious if that would raise questions. Thanks, Brad. Well, sure it would. I mean, that's that's the nature of... That's the nature of it, right? That's the nature of talking about sports. That's the na- nature of it. If you're listening to a show like this, you're going to debate issues. Look, I think I think Todd McClellan is a good coach. If if the San Jose Sharks happen to win the Stanley Cup this year, and I don't think they will, but if they do win the Stanley Cup this year, sure, people are going to say, oh, see, McClellan left, and now they win. Um, I guess that depends on whether or not do you believe that Todd McClellan was the primary reason for the Sharks never winning the Stanley Cup while he was there. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think Peter DeBoer has done a good job there. I think Todd McClellan uh, did a pretty good job with the Oilers this season, despite where they finished in in the standings. But that is the nature of it. Just like if the Red Deer Rebels don't win the Western Hockey League and or the Memorial Cup this year, uh, Brent Sutter will probably be questioned. Right, Cam Moon? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who's going to question him. <laughs> Well, it's just the criticism Maybe comes the with the territory, though. The, the criticism comes the with the territory. He is the owner. I'm talking publicly, right? I mean, you, oh, it, right. unless you yeah, win, sure. you can't win, right? Let, I mean, here's here's the thing, Cam. Uh, I, I think most Oilers fans were on board with Todd McClellan being hired, and I think most fans think he did a overall a good job, though you can quibble about some power play and ice time things. But, I mean, Rob and I had callers after games saying – well, uh, Todd McClellan's team is last in the Western Conference, so therefore he is one of the worst coaches in the league. Now, those same people would often praise Mike Babcock, and I would say, well, you can't have it both ways. Either you're going by the standings or you're not, right? Well, you're right. I mean, he, I'm sure he did a great job. In fact, I, I'm positive he did a great job. And once they improved the team, we'll see exactly how great a job he can he can do so just everybody gets all excited when the day-to-day wins and losses and i understand that i i get it it's canada that's what we do <laughs> uh, but he's a quality coach that's been proven time and time again it, 
it's not like in one year all of a sudden he forgot how to coach. He knows what he's doing. He just needs the right mix of people to work that magic. That's all. All right. Well, I didn't bring you on to talk about uh, but about the NHL, but the the coach. Thank God for that. The coaching and the leadership. The oh, by the way, are you in range of a TV? Because Chicago St. Louis is pretty good, by the way. You know what? I just flipped it back to that because you just gave me the up, update that it's two two. I was watching the Jays piss away a five one lead. So <laughs> I, there was that. I was yelling at the television, and uh, they had a tough go. So five one turned into now a six five deficit. But I flipped it back now that it was 2-2. Because when I was watching, it was 2 nothing St. Louis, and they were just feeding it to them. Well, Chicago's had a good second period, but it, it's a pretty good game. Uh, well, the, I haven't been watching the Blue Jays game. Stroman would look pretty good through six. So what? then he got roughed up in the sixth, and Cecil well, no. poured gasoline all over the fire? What happened? Oh, he, he was doing fine. And he even had a couple of outs. And then he got hit with a ball on a comebacker, but he was still fine. It didn't hit his throwing arm. It hit his non-throwing arm. And then he walked the guy, so they, they took him out and brought in Brett Cecil, who had an awfully tough outing, and I don't think got an out. He did not get an out. No, he didn't get an out. And then they had to bring in um, Floyd. And he didn't do much better. Uh, yeah, he gave up. Uh, well, the the four runs wind, wound up being charged to Stroman, but you're saying yeah. he, he left the game with them in a manageable situation. He did, yes. Okay, yeah. two runs got charged. Floyd actually didn't get charged with any runs, but two hits and a walk. Uh, so, uh, oh, yeah, he yeah. didn't help. It sort of snowballed, I guess, is what you're getting at. Yeah, if, he, if Cecil could have come in and got a guy, it'd have, they'd have got out of it and they'd have been fine, but oh well. All right. Baseball. Yeah, the ups and downs. Yeah, Blue Jays. There won't be a great month of April here. Uh, they're probably oh. going to finish the month around 500. But that's where they were. Remember, at the end of July, right? So then they made the playoffs. So there's plenty of time as long as they don't fall too far out of it. Uh, it's two nothing in the series you're covering. Uh, the Rebels in uh, against Brandon in the uh, I guess Eastern Conference Championship in that series. We know Brandon's a good team. We saw the, what they did to the UL Kings after falling behind two uh, nothing. Give us a sense of how these first two games went, Cam. Well, they were fun. They were fun to watch. The excitement level, I thought, was through the roof. Uh, the Rebels had a lead in both games in the third period, and Brandon still found ways to win. Well, the first game they won in overtime, and then the second one they got an empty netter, but it was right down to the wire. So both games have been awfully close. and You could make an argument that Red Deer could have won one or two of them, but you've got to give Brandon credit. They found ways to get it done. They found ways to score themselves out of trouble. And they've done it all year. They're one of the top scoring teams in the WHL. They've got tons of guys that can put the puck in the net and make things happen offensively. And when they've needed things to happen offensively in the third period, so the, those first two games, they've, they've got that done. And they play a you know, pretty wide-open style. Like it, it is fun to watch. Like Those first two games, there was no shortage of opportunities at both nets and I expect that it's going to be relatively the same tomorrow and Wednesday here at the NMAX Centrum in Red Deer but you got to credit the skill of the Brandon Wheat Kings that Nolan Patrick who's not draft eligible till next year although he's in his second season hit 102 points this year as a 17 year old and will play next season before he's draft eligible and he's been amazing. Jace Howerlick's a Florida Panther draft pick and a very tenacious player. He's been very good. Tim McGauley is a 20-year-old guy that has signed with Washington. 
been good. John Quenzel from Edmonton, Southside Athletic Club alum and a New Jersey Devil draft pick. He had two goals, including the overtime winner in the first game. Yeah, they've been they've been outstanding. And Ivan Provorov, the Flyer draft pick on defense, who led the defenseman in scoring with 73 points this year in the WHL, and he's a unanimous choice as an Eastern Conference All-Star. And he's uh, an amazing skater, and he scored a goal in the first game. So they, I mean, they're loaded up. They got a great team. They're expected to be very good this year, and they most certainly are. Uh, the Rebels are expected to be good too, though, as the Mastercard Memorial Cup hosts, and they are good. And that's why these are the two teams that are in the Eastern Conference Final. But Rebels have to win tomorrow. They want to make a series out of this. They absolutely have to win tomorrow. And the way those first two games went, they will have a, a shot at it. And they played well at home here in the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, is it is it a case of, of trying to match the? The, the the firepower of the Wheat Kings for the Rebels, or is it a matter of them being able to lock it down a little better? Is that what they're going to do tomorrow? Yeah, I think they, uh, you're right. I think the Rebels need to lock it down a little better. If you're going to trade, and Rebels have a lot of guys that can score too. I mean, Adam Haluka, San Jose Shark draft pick, he's been really good for them. And I know the team's leading scorer of the regular season, Ivan Nikolishin, has been out since the after the second game of the playoffs. Uh, because of injury, but hopefully he comes back soon. Uh, but the Rebels and Jake DeBrusque, uh, Southside Athletic Club guy from Edmonton, has been really good offensively for the for the team. He's a Boston Bruin draft. The Rebels have guys that can score, but I think for them to be successful against a team like Brandon, they'll have to tighten things up defensively a bit. I think Brandon's had you know a lot of good opportunities and maybe a few too many. Uh, so I, I would expect that would be kind of the focus going into Game 3. All right. Well, it's going to be fun, Camp. Thanks a lot for the update. I know we'll be talking uh, throughout the next uh, month, month and a half here, counting down to the Memorial Cup. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to come on the show. That is Cam Moon checking in tonight, play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels. Yeah, they're back home. Got a win, down 2 nothing to the Brandon Wheat Kings, the WHL's Eastern Conference final. Man, the Blues missed a good opportunity about a minute ago. This is a good game. Still in the second period, 90 seconds left, 2-2 Chicago and St. Louis. By the way, this portion of Inside Show, of Inside Sports... Although Inside Show would be a good Inside name too. Show would be, I don't know what it would be about. It'd be the show it'd be, inside Inside it'd Sports. It'd be a show about, yeah, we do a show within a show. I guess. Kind of like a box within a box within a box, right? It would be, right. Yeah. Well, it'd be like one of those Russian nesting dolls. Exactly. That would be Inside Show. I like it. Uh, inside Sports, presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. We'll catch up with a young man by the name of Tyson Jost. Played really well for Canada at the U18 Hockey Championship. He is from St. Albert. He's coming up. It's 817. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Kane through center ice over the blues line. Quick pass to Taves, left circle. Turning away with a puck to the half board. Sets up Keith at the line deep slot. To Taves, top of the left wing circle. To Shaw beside the net. He shoots, he scores! That deflects off Bowmeister in front of the Blues net and went right through the pads of Elliott into the back of the Blues net. The Hawks fans here in St. Louis celebrate. The Hawks connect on the power play and tie it at two. That is still the score in that game. Two periods now complete. Game 7, Chicago and St. Louis. 
power play goal for Shaw. It's been a beauty. The other one, nine and a half minutes left. Nashville up 2-1 on the Ducks, trying to force a Game 7 back in California. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Jason Moss, head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, scheduled to join us on this show tomorrow. It'll be good to have him on the show. Of course, the Eskimos, uh, what, last week had that minicamp in Florida. The NBA scoring champion lost to the Golden State Warriors because of a knee injury. Warriors point guard Stephen Curry had an MRI and it revealed he has a grade one sprain of the MCL and will miss at least two weeks. Curry injured his right knee when he slipped on a wet spot on the floor at the end of the first half in Houston on Sunday. Curry grabbed his knee and jogged with a limp to the locker room. Curry will miss the remainder of the first round of the playoffs and likely the first four games in round two. Golden State currently has a three games to one series lead over the Houston Rockets. Should the Warriors advance, they'd play the winner of the LA Clippers Portland series. Ryan Leong, Oakland. All right, so there's the details on Steph Curry. The Raptors will play Indiana tomorrow, Game 5 in Toronto. The series is tied 2-2. I I will say this, Kellen Kennedy, the NBA is not uh, high on my list of sports interests. Uh Uh, Not not something we talk about a huge amount about the show. Uh, Golden State makes me more interested in the NBA. Uh, If they were going to get the record, the way Curry plays, just how... I mean, it's exciting. Exciting is almost too mm-hmm. plain a word. He's not exactly dynamic. He's, he's just the, the, the shooting. I used this term last week, the joie de vivre of the team. Wow. You know? I've well, like, comparing French, them, comparing so them to the 96 Bulls, who went 72-10, and 10, okay. and the Warriors went 73-9, and 9, gotcha. the Bulls were like this uh, humorless death machine. That was the the Chicago Bulls of 1996, a humorless Mm -hmm. death machine. The the Warriors are more like a circus. You know? Just a little more upbeat, a little less, I don't know if tense is the right word, a little less serious. I mean, that Bulls team either... Oh, man, Nashville just missed a great chance to go yeah, up 3-1. They, they sure <laughs> just, did, eh? just got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Flipped over to this. Sorry, everybody. Uh, great chance for James Neal. Look, he had Anderson at his mercy, but he just fumbled the puck yep. and couldn't shoot it into the into the Fraction of a second too long holding on to that puck. So, so, yeah. so still 2-1 for the Nashville Predators. There's just something about that Warriors team, the way they played, and, and you realize after a while, whether you're a huge basketball fan or not, if you're a sports fan, mm-hmm. it's a chance to watch and see something special, yeah. something unique, you know, something that, I mean, who knows? 73, that could never happen again. Like, it's going to be tough to I mean, to I, I never would have, yeah. uh, but again, you never know. I would have thought 72 would never happen yeah. again, but some, so you so you know it's special while while it's happening. You know it's special mm-hmm. while they uh, while they break the record. You know it's special, the chances to have, what they have to do in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. we know not seeing Curry able to play is, is a bit of a bummer. I, they're still good enough to beat Houston, the Clippers. It's likely going to be the Clippers in the second I, round, I, think the, I would think. I, I think the uh, expected matchup of Golden State and San Antonio, if that happens, I think you're going to see some mega ratings for the NBA with that because well, those are two powerhouse teams right, going that's, at it. That's the series, right? Yeah. And, and like we were saying before... Um, Somebody called in on Friday and said, could San Antonio beat mm-hmm. Golden State? Well, they were only six wins behind yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what if Curry's still injured by if and when they meet in the Western Conference mm-hmm. Final? 
I mean, San Antonio, it's 67 wins most years. That's first overall yeah. by probably five or six yeah. games. And this year, it's second place. And they're going to be sour that they didn't get first overall this year when they get a chance to play the Well, the, the, the only Warriors, they, right? they could so. have had a perfect home season, yeah. but they lost to the Warriors right near the there end. It was go, the yeah. second or third last game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's the rivalry there between those teams, two epic teams. And then on the East, you can't count out LeBron. No. And the Cavaliers if they get through because LeBron is that good. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that, to me it's an interesting spring for for, for, for the NBA. Certainly an mm-hmm. interesting spring for the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the draft lottery will be the next significant event that affects the Edmonton Oilers. Well, we'll have coverage of that for you on Saturday night. Just stay tuned for the uh, exact start time. We're still going to nail that down. It'll likely be 5 or 5.30, and then uh, we'll bring you the lottery results and do a bit of a, a post-lottery show, I guess we'll call it, with Stoffer and Ulrich involved. So that'll be uh, fun. Well, it might not be fun. I don't know. If the, <laughs> if the Oilers drop down to fifth, maybe it won't be as fun. Well, there's still stuff to talk about. 13.5% for the Edmonton Oilers to get the first overall pick, and then your percentage of... The, the odds change after every team that's picked, right? Yeah. If the Boston Bruins were to win the draft lottery, well, then the Oilers would have a slightly better than 13.5% chance to get the second pick, that's right? That's correct, yeah. If the Leafs... All right, here, i got to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry. That's oh. two, two shows in a row I've had to sneeze. Yeah, well, it's allergy season. It's bad out there, man. Hopefully the, you know, the... Um, uh, Allergies and that stuff will die out over the past I'm fine. day or so. so if the Leafs year. were to win the first pick, you know, they have a 20% chance, then the Oilers' chance of getting the second pick would go up by, by 3 or 4%. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Third period about to start in St. Louis. That game is 2-2. 2-1, the Predators leading the Ducks. 6.45 to go in the third period. We will visit and introduce you to Tyson Jost. St. Albert Kid, leading scorer for Canada at the Under-18 World Hockey Tournament that just wrapped up in North Dakota. Canada didn't get a medal, uh, but Joe's turned a lot of heads. Likely to be a first-round draft pick in Buffalo. Inside Sports on Chet. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Alright, it's 8.33. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. A lot of uh, NHL playoff talk for you. The Blue Jays have lost, by the way, just ended 7-5 through the Chicago White Sox. 14-6 now. For the Pale Hose, the Blue Jays fall to 10 and 11. 2 1, Nashville up on Anaheim. Four minutes left. If the Predators win, game seven back at the Honda Center on Wednesday night. If Anaheim rallies to win, the series is over. Game uh, seven, 2 2 between Chicago and St. Louis. Third period, just minutes away from starting. The winner faces the Dallas Stars. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. Tonight, yellow. <laughs> you're, a, you're a funny man. Yeah. Uh, Just trying to make the Monday go by easier. I know Monday's a hard day for a lot of people, so, you know. 
A little bit of humor. We're almost through Monday, guys. Well, pe- most people have already made it through mo- their work day Monday. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that that are listening to us right now. They're in the middle of their shift. They're oh, that's working true. in stock room or wherever, you know. Yes. So, no. I don't know how you come up with some of the stuff you come up with. Because I used to work well, stock room and listen to Six Forty Chat Where? all the time. Shoppers so. Drug Mart? No, London Drug. Oh right, London Drug. Which location? Uh, we were uh, North Town Mall, I believe it was called at the time. Now what is it called? I think it's called North Town Center. Up on Ninety Seventh and Ninety Seventh, One Hundred Thirty Seven. Yeah, One Forty Seventh. Yeah. Is there still a London Drugs there? Uh, yep, they've moved it though. It's where it, it it used to be where the TNT supermarket is now, but then they just moved it to the other end of the mall. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Well, see, the, the my retail experience, the business no longer exists. Right. Blockbuster Video. Right. Yeah. Well, I also work for two places that don't, don't exist as well, in Zellers and the Nemeo, or not Nemeo Center IGA, but the one in Roslyn, the Roslyn IGA. Are there absolutely no IGAs left anywhere? I don't think so. No, I think they're all gone. They're either Sobeys or they're nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, hi, Reed. This is a text, by the way. Hi, Reed. Golf bum here. First of all, I hope you've been able to golf. I see similarities in Patrick Kane and Everly's puck handling skills. Do you concur? I see Everly as a keeper for this reason. Hall definitely does not have this puck mobility or vision. Speed and finish, maybe, if he has that guy to get him the puck. Also, if we get a top three and package Hall with it, what top D-men are possibilities? Well, I don't think the Oilers are trading a top three pick. I think they're taking Matthews or one of the wingers. Um, So I don't see that happening. There are similarities between Kane and Eberle's puck handling skills, but Kane's are better. Um, but But I understand the argument of keeping Eberle because he, he seemed to play better with McDavid than any of the other wingers. And and Eberle can finish. And if he got his shot off a little quicker on some occasions, he could probably squeak out a few more goals in a season. Um, but, he, but he hasn't developed that yet. Um, yeah, I just don't... I just don't think... I, I just don't. I just. I think it's pretty unlikely the Oilers would trade one of the top three picks. I do. I think they would keep that keep that player, whether it's Matthews or one of the Finnish wingers. If they're four or five, maybe. Now, sure, you're getting less in return. Uh, I just don't know that. Uh, I mean, I know Bob was talking about it again on on Oilers Now today, and we talked about it last week. If. P.K. Subban's available. The Montreal Canadiens are asking for Taylor Hall, right? And, and maybe something a little extra. Maybe it's a two-for-two two swap. If you... Okay, totally hypothetically, could Hall... Uh, let's say the draft order stays the same. Tor- Toronto wins the first one. The Oilers win the second one. The Canucks win the third one, right? Would Hall and that pick get you Subban? Maybe, but the Canadians would probably want some sort of defenseman in return, right? So I don't know. And I, I mean, let's face it, you're not trading for Doughty or whoever. So thank you for texting, though, Golf Bump. Apparently, uh, Andy's IGA is on 142nd Street. I was just going to relay that. Yeah, 142nd <laughs> Somebody texted Street. you as well? Uh, or did you look it up? Uh, actually, all credit to Randy Kilburn over in our oh. newsroom. He <laughs> looked it up for me. Uh, 142nd Street, 91st Ave. 
142nd Street. 91st Ave. Okay. So on the way down to the zoo there? I would think so. I don't know. I don't hang Hold out on. in that area, but somewhere, sure. All right. Yeah, that's exactly where it is. Okay. On the way to the Valley Zoo. Crestwood, it's called. That's from that's Sean. That's it. Sean. Crestwood, right. Right by the curling club and all those fancy houses. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to go shop there, I guess. We're a nice guy, Andy's IGA. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, do you have the game on, Randy? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching, well, flipping back and forth between between both games. And can you believe the Jays' bullpen? How horrible are they, really? Well, not good. Well, horrible. Stroman's good. Yeah, well, he was great. I don't know why they pulled him out, but... Uh, well, he got hit with a pitch, Cam Moon. So he got hit with a batted ball that came uh, back to him. I heard Cam saying that. I didn't see that, but, you know, it wasn't his pitching arm. Even if his arm that got hit is well, hanging here, loose, he here, could have still pitched. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell a little story. I, I, I think, and stay, stay on the line here, Randy. I know yeah, you're yeah. trying to work. No, no, I'm fine. I mean, the, the attitude toward pitching uh, has, has totally changed. It's almost like mm-hmm. they get overused when they're kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was an article in Sports Illustrated two or three weeks back about... Um, you know, young pitchers blowing their arms off because they're trying to throw so hard, so young, and right. attract the scouts. Right. Because, I mean, baseball people, and look, I don't talk to as do as many baseball interviews as hockey interviews, but you read baseball or talk to baseball people, and all they care about is with young pitchers is the number on the gun. If you can throw 98 or hit 100, they can teach you to throw straighter. Sure. So it's more accurate. But they need they need that natural speed there. So they 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 get they throw too much when they're kids, and then they get babied. When they're in the major, I mean, didn't the Orioles in the 1970s have a four-man rotation? That I mean, was teams it. used to have four-man rotations with limited bullpen use. Exactly right. And guys would pitch. And I went. This this is a story, and Jay wrote about it in his in his uh, in his second book, uh, the second Anchor Boy book, the one that has all the pooping in it. Mm-hmm. Well, they both have number two. The Jay Onright book. <laughs> so we went to a game on Mother's Day at Fenway Park, and this was 07. This was 10 years ago. And a guy who became a pretty decent pitcher, Jeremy Guthrie, was a, was a rookie for the Baltimore Orioles. He took a 5 nothing lead into the bottom of the ninth. He got one out. The second batter popped it up in front of the mound, and the catcher went out to play it and dropped it. Mm-hmm. And the Boston pitcher reached base. Guthrie was at 83 pitches mm-hmm. and still two outs from a complete game shutout. Yep. And he took him out, and the bullpen blew it, and the Sox won 6-5. I recall that. It was an incredible game. Yeah. But I mean, 83 pitches should not be a lot for a pitcher. That isn't hardly any, really. I mean, it's not very many at all. So no, anyway... No. That's my unconnected to anything in the world baseball rant for the evening. Thank you for indulging me, Randy. By the way, guys, it's over in Nashville. Free one. uh, Going to be the final here in 10 seconds. Did they get an empty netter? James Neal got an empty net goal. James Neal got an empty net goal. All right, so there's going to be another Game 7. Is this live now, Shaw and Brodziak, uh, some form of Greco-Roman wrestling? (laughs) I think they're trying not to actually. Oh, that was a highlight from earlier. All right. Uh, Or maybe that is happening now. Brodziak no. just had a great chance anyway. Still 2-2. Oh, yeah, Brodziak went in, and then someone dug at the goalie at Crawford, and that and that set off a whole thing. Randy, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you in a bit. Randy Kilburn at the top of the hour. Tell you what, let's take a quick timeout here, Kellen, and then we'll bring in Tyson Jost after the break. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. St. Louis on a power play. 
trying to take the lead against Chicago. And Crawford makes a save. 10 seconds left on the power play. 15-10 left in the game. And the Blues will not cash in on this man advantage. A slap shot flies wide and wraps around the boards, and that kills the time. So the Hawks survive. Great game tonight. The other uh, one, as you heard Kellen say, 3-1 in favor of the Nashville Predators, so they will go back to Anaheim to play Game 7 on Wednesday night. Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, it is 8.45. Tyson Jost back home after doing a great job representing Canada at the Under-18 World Hockey Championship in North Dakota. Tyson, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks for making time for us. Uh, how are you feeling after the, the, the U18 tournament? Uh, I mean, I guess kind of a... Uh, a good one individually for you, but I assume you're a little disappointed with how it ended. Yeah, I think disappointed is the the right word to use. I mean, obviously, anytime you get to represent your Canada or your country um, in a national championship like like the tournament we were just in, you you always expect to uh, to come out with a gold medal. And I mean, the circumstances that we went through is it's definitely tough to swallow, but. Uh, Nonetheless, it was a it was a great experience, and it's always humbling to be able to represent your country. So, I mean, it was definitely mixed feelings for sure. Um, in terms of your play, uh, I mean, you eclipsed Connor McDavid for the most points by a Canadian in this tournament. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's pretty special to get recognized on an individual basis like that. But I mean, obviously. It's not an individual sport, it's a team sport, and I went there to win a gold medal. I didn't go there to break this, this record or, or whatever you want to say. I, I went there for another gold medal, and it's it's tough that we uh, we couldn't get that done, and it's also tough that we can, couldn't get a medal at all. So, I mean, it is it is cool in its, its own sense that uh, I did accomplish that, but it wasn't... It wasn't something that, I mean, I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to get a gold medal, and I'd, I'd trade uh, this record in for a gold medal any day. When it comes to uh, your your preference, uh, do, you, do you prefer center or left wing, or what have you been playing the most of this year? Um, I mostly play center. I mean, I can play some left wing, but uh, I'm most comfortable at center. Okay. Um, give me, I'll tell you what, Tyson, I, I can go online and read about you and, and watch video and all that kind of fun stuff, but let me ask you, give me Tyson Jost's scouting report of Tyson Jost. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, I think I'm a, a 200-foot player who's responsible in, in an area of the ice, so I like to be trustworthy in, in any situation, and that's something I take pride on. And I mean, I have offensive upside, but I'm, I like to be really responsible in the D zone, and I mean, I work hard every time I step on that ice. That's something I take a lot of pride in, and it's something uh, I push myself to do is just be the hardest-working player every time I step on that ice. Now, you bring up the 200-foot game, but I think for a lot of people it's your offensive stats that are going to be eye-popping because for Penticton this season, you had 104 points in just 48 regular season games. How were you able to rack up that many points? I mean, I think one of the biggest reasons is uh, some of the talent that was surrounding me in Penticton. I mean, I had guys like Scott Conway who uh, who came back from college and, and played a year in Penticton, and he was unbelievable. He had over 100 points as well. And then uh, another guy like Dante Fabro, who is one of my good buddies, and, and he was at the, the U18 tournament there in North Dakota with me, and I think he put up r really good numbers again. And, I mean, uh, having those two guys 
on the power play it was, it was something that was pretty special and I know that uh they helped me along the way but we had such such a, such a skilled team in, in Penticton and I think that's something that uh, I have to give a lot of credit to for the success I had with points. All right. Tell, tell me a little bit about your decision because you were drafted by Everett, I believe seventh overall in the 2013 Bantam draft. You've played in Penticton and, and you've committed to go to the University of North Dakota. Take, take me a little bit just through your, your thinking and, and your decision to decide to go uh, this route as opposed to going WHL. So yeah, growing up in obviously Western Canada, you're, you're exposed to the WHL and the CHL a lot. It's you don't really hear uh, the other side of things in, in the NCAA and, and that route. So, I mean, I was drafted to Everett Silvertips and, and nothing against them. They're a great organization and they had another great year. But I decided to maybe take a look uh, down across the border there into the U.S. and take a look at some of the NCAA schools. And I went to North Dakota when I was 14, 15 years old. And, I mean, I was just so intrigued right off the bat uh, their facilities are, are second and none. It's such a world class program down there and I mean look at their alumni that they have, all their their coaching staff is just unbelievable. Obviously Dave Haxtell who left and now he's with the Philadelphia Flyers and had a great year with them. I mean, he was one of their coaches and then Bradbury took over and, and won them a national championship this year. So I just see so much uh room for improvement and growth in my game and on and off the ice as well at, at North Dakota and I mean I can't say how excited I am to start Joining uh, the college program down there and become a fighting Sioux soon. Tyson Jost joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. You are ranked uh, 16th for North American skaters for the uh, upcoming draft. Now it's, uh, you know, believe that the top three picks are going to be European skaters. So, I mean, hypothetically, if, if you go 21 to 30 and you're in the first round, you excited about that possibility? What are your thoughts heading towards the draft here? I think uh, any time any draft talk comes up, you got to be pretty excited about it. It's something that uh, I know I've personally dreamed about since I was a little guy cheering for the Oilers. I always wanted to to be drafted one day, and to think that uh, it's it's coming up soon. It's it's pretty special, and I mean I'll be happy wherever I go in the draft. Again, it's it's just a number, and you look at all the players who went whatever I mean second overall to to sixth round. There's there's such a different variety of players and people peak at different times so i mean i'll be so honored to to go anywhere in the draft and it'll be a dream come true for me all right well 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 said what uh what's up for you here over the next uh week or two some downtime some more training what's ahead for you tyson yeah i'm discussing that right now with, with a bunch of people but uh i think the plan is right now to to take a week off and kind of digest digest everything that happened throughout this this busy year and and then it's it's back to the work and training and getting ready for the combine here and then after the combine uh comes the draft so it'll be a, a busy few months for me but it's it's definitely an honor and it's exciting and I'm I'm looking forward for what's ahead. All right. Well, great stuff. Thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports and uh, absolutely I hope it turns out to be a great summer for you Tyson. Thanks for your time. Thank you. It means a lot and glad to be here. Right on, that is Tyson Jost checking in, fresh off representing Canada at the Under-18 World Hockey Championship in North Dakota. And as that interview was wrapping up, Troy Brower, the guy Brendan and I were discussing earlier in the show at 8.31 of the sh- uh, third period, scores from Fabry and Stastny, kind of a crazy goal. He was all alone in front and redirected the pass that came in from the side and hit the goalpost, had about 80% of the net to shoot at, hit the goalpost, 
the rebound came right back to him, but it was sort of awkwardly going towards his left foot, and he kind of whiffed on an attempt to get it with his forehand. He was able to spin his body, stop it on the backhand, and then slide it past Corey Crawford. So the crowd in a frenzy in St. Louis. Do the Blackhawks have yet another comeback in them? Ten and a half minutes to go. It's been a great game, and uh, wow. Troy Brower, an excited Brendan Ulrich, texting me in sarcastically <laughs> about Brower uh, getting that goal. So, man, did you did you see that one, Kellen? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Like, it looked like he had blown it. Yeah. It looked like he'd blown it, and then it looked like he was going to get it back, and yeah. it looked like he, and this is all happening in about two-thirds of a second. Mm-hmm. He blew it, and then he blew it again because he missed the first try on the rebound, but he was able to spin and stop the puck and then fire it in. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's and that potentially to be the series winner and a, and a backbreaker here over the Blackhawks? Who knows, right? But Well, and you know, this is the thing. If the Oilers gave up a goal like that, Rob and I would be taking calls for two hours after the game. Oh, because I know. The, I've Because <laughs> the Hawks got turned around defensively, and Seabrook got turned around in front and got tuck, stuck against two guys. Yep. And Brower was standing there by himself for probably four or five seconds. Absolutely. Oh, see, yeah. here it is. Super yeah, he totally here. missed their yeah. shot. And then he was falling down as he put it in. He whiffed on the shot. So... Explain this to me. This is Game 7 of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. How do you let the opposing player get that wide open in front of your net? Because that's hockey, baby. <laughs> I mean, things happen. And, and now St. I mean, Louis has got power play on here's top my, of it all. Here's one thing i got to say about hockey. All right. We focus too much on the mistake mm-hmm. and not the play that was made for the goal, right. I think. Fair I mean, enough. not every goal is a glaring mistake. I mean, there's no. so many split decisions in a hockey game. Mm-hmm. You know, one minor misread or, or thinking the puck is going to bounce this way could make you look foolish and that, like, you've never played the game before. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks has played the game before. They got outnumbered down low. I mean, I'd have to go yeah. back and watch it again. But, yeah. you know, St. Louis still had to, Brower still had to make a great play Fair to enough. recover yeah, to put that in. Pure athleticism in front of the net, absolutely. And then he had to do it all over again because he'd, he basically, had, he basically had three <laughs> chances all alone in front yeah. in the span of about, like I said, two-thirds of a second. Yeah, post, yeah. then the whiff, and then it finally and then, got then in Then he the reached time. it on his yeah. backhand and, and, and put yeah. it in. Nine minutes to go now. Mm-hmm. Jay texting in. He says, with a 2% higher chance of winning the draft lottery over last year, the Oilers are picking first, if only to P.O. the hockey world. You can't know what's going to happen. That's all I'm saying. Though I know people have made the connection. At one point in their history, for those of you old enough to remember, the Oilers won five Stanley Cups in seven years. They have the potential to draft first overall five times in seven years. Not the same sequence, because with the Stanley Cup, they went win-win, no, win-win, no, win. With the first overalls, they have gone first, 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 no, no, first, and then we'll see this year. But, uh, yes, the hockey world would be irate. If the Oilers won the draft lottery, which, again, as I say, is not a problem with the draft lottery. It's a problem with the Edmonton Oilers. 8.56. We're winding her down. Like I mentioned, Jason Moss will join us on the show tomorrow. It'll be fun to catch up with the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Our guests this evening have included Tyson Jost, forward with Canada's under-18 team. They just finished fourth at Worlds. Cam Moon, play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels. Randy Moeller. 
From the Florida Panthers broadcast booth, Chris King, play-by-play voice of the New York Islanders, Alan May, who covers the Washington Capitals. By the way, go to 630Ched.com. We would love it if you signed up for the 630Ched Santa's Anonymous Golf Tournament. Uh, Get in there in the next couple weeks to qualify for an early bird. It's such a fun day, and all the proceeds go to 630Ched Santa's Anonymous, bringing Christmas to over 25,000 Edmonton children every year. All right, so the Predators won 3-1. St. Louis is up 3-2 with eight minutes left. And the Blue Jays blew a 5-1 lead and lost 7-5. The studio producer tonight has been Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. Always a pleasure. Talk to you tomorrow night. You know I feel so dirty when they start talking cute. I want to tell her that I love her, but the point is probably moot. Because she's watching in with those eyes. She's loving him with that body, I just know it. And he's holding her in his arms late, late at night. You know I wish that I had Jesse's girl. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. Why can't I find a woman like that, like Jesse's girl? I wish that I had Jesse's girl. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.